There's the red pill that we talk about pretty regularly has, you know, six different levels, self-image, relationships, work, health, prosperity, and significance. And so we, when we coach and work with our apex performers, we work in those six areas, just making sure that they are living a centered life, one where they don't have to put on masks, they live life well. And they make a positive impact overall. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing. And I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too. And you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Mo with me today. Mo, I don't know how to say your last name, so I'm not even going to try to mess it up, my brother. But I'm super excited that you jumped on with me today. I've got the grand fortune of having you on and talk a little bit about jumpstarting your multifamily investing journey. So if you don't mind, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and then we can just dive in and we can do some rapid fire questions to see if I can get you moving. Sure. Started real estate investment, I want to say in the early uh, 2000s. Computer programmer by trade. Got a buddy of mine who was actually moving to Atlanta, was selling his duplex. Um, I took a look at it, got it for a good price. Um, stayed upstairs, running out the downstairs. That was you know, very lucrative. So I look into other duplexes for a total of five purchase additional five, but now I'm trying to get into the multifamily space and then run into some um, some difficulty. So that's when I reached out to you. Um, and then you said, you know, you can, you can have me on the podcast to, to try to help me out. Because um, like I said, I, you know, all these seminars, um, you know, some people learn best by doing the seminars. I'm just, uh, you know, jump both jump in with both feet kind of kind of guy and learn that way. So here I am. I respect it, man. So you did, it sounds like you got like 10 to 15 units in a portfolio already. Am I understanding that correctly? At, at one time, I ended up selling some because it was just too good to pass up. So now I'm down to two duplexes, but I'm trying to get into the multi, the, the, the multi-family space commercial real estate. So Okay. So just to break it down for the listeners, when you say multi-family, you're thinking more along the lines of above five units on one particular property, right? Yes. Yes. Perfect. 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 Okay. And so that requires a different type of loan. You won't be able to do the residential 30-year deal. You have to do something else. And so I, so the listeners know, what market are you interested in buying in? The market I am, I'm a Milwaukee market and all the, the suburbs. So around Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. So that's a little pricey up there, but I respect it, man. You want to buy your own backyard. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So you said you're, you're jammed up. You're having a few challenges. Let's talk a little bit about that. What's in the way? Like what, what are you trying to get to? And maybe we can connect the dots for you. Well, something that I didn't think I would have an issue with is trying to get a commercial loan. Just trying to sit down with those guys, get commercial loan. I was thinking about um, because I was getting getting such a hard time. I mean, nothing's wrong with my credit. You know, I have the I have the capital, um, so I was thinking about hard money. But you know, you're talking about you know 15 percent, 
And then, you know, you got to do that for a while before you refinance it to a more favorable rate. That's when I'm running into the issues in addition to, you know, just, you know, getting getting deals. So how uh, how to go about getting um, deals. I'm, most, I'm such as yourself, a seasoned investor. The deals come to you just trying to get on that level. Yeah, you got to close a few to get people to bring them to you. And so, you know, we, we talk about the same four things more often than not when we have these calls, this knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital. And so what happened for you is you went to the bank and they probably said you don't have any experience on commercial loans, so they didn't want to lend to you. Yes. Fair? Yes. All right. And so we keep coming down the pole, right? So knowledge, deal flow, experience, capital. You, you went to capital. It's like, yeah, you don't have experience. So now you got to come back to experience. And one of two ways that happens, you either partner with somebody that's done it before or your net worth is just so extreme in comparison to the amount of money that you're borrowing that the bank doesn't care because you can write a check to fix it. Most people aren't in that position. So they got to find somebody that's experienced to partner with. But how do you get somebody that has experience to want to partner with you? You need that deal, right? And what the next thing you said was, well, I'm struggling with the deal flow piece. And I always come back to knowledge when people say, hey, I don't have the deals put together. And I say that because you know, the different tactics, tools, techniques that you can use to get access to those deals is all wrapped up in the knowledge. And so if you can find something that makes sense as a deal, then you present that to somebody who has experience. And as we talked, I don't remember if it was IG or LinkedIn or wherever, but my comment to you was, you know, I asked if you were coming to conference and you were like, no, I've spent a bunch of money on seminars. That doesn't make sense for me but you are looking for people to partner with. And the place where the majority of people are hanging out that are doing deals are either at conferences or in some type of multifamily investing group. And I, what I've seen a lot of folks do, and I did it when I started, was try to do this from behind a computer, right? Where we're just spending time talking to people kind of one-to-one, but getting in a group environment, getting in a group setting, where there's a lot of people highly increases the likelihood that you'll find people that you can probably do something with later. And I'm not saying that you'll do a deal immediately after going to a conference and meeting somebody, but I am saying that it will expand your network. Expansion of network is the most important thing that I think you can do when you're trying to make a transition from where you are to where you want to go, right? The people that you probably hang out with right now, don't do multifamily deals, right? True statement. <laughs> I was the exact same way, right? I'm the son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom. And so nobody that I knew owned multifamily. And I went and started my corporate job, did that for over a decade. And then when I came out and decided I still wanted to do multifamily, I realized that I still hadn't improved my network in a way that I needed to improve my network, which would allow me to partner with somebody so that I could go to the bank and get that loan that you're talking about. And so... My question back to you is, what are you doing right now to expand the network to get around more like-minded individuals and people who are either interested in investing in multifamily or already investing in multifamily? So in Milwaukee, they have this uh, reporter. His name is Tom Dakin. He reports on on, on everyone who's doing you know, commercial real estate, you know, multifamily development. So got a few names from there and just started, you know, emailing people, introducing myself, um, letting me know my interests and see if we can go from there. But that, in addition to going to the local uh, RIA meetings and, and um, 
part um introducing myself to people there so trying to get to know the players okay and so does your Rhea actually talk about multifamily? Because mine never did. Well, it's a little, so it's a little bit. They, you know, most of the time it's, just, it's, it's obviously, you know, single family and duplexes, but it's like if the meeting is 45 minutes, they spend like five, 10 minutes talking about uh, the multifamily. Yep. That's the way it goes. Most Rias aren't focused on multifamily. So you've got to go outside of your area i think there's a guy up there named todd dexheimer who's a really cool individual i i can connect you with him if you want he uh he does a fair number of deals here is the issue and i don't even know it's an issue but that's the best word that comes to mind right now with the approach and it's going to be this right you're sending these cold emails to people that you've never interacted with telling them what you want to do and they're looking at you and they're like, well, what are you going to do for me? Right? This is marketing and sales 101. You have to lead with what is in it for the person that you're talking to. And so what value can you bring to the person? When those articles hit, they get flooded with people that want to sell them things, people that want stuff for free, people who probably don't prize or value their time at all and are looking for the person to reach down and help them and a down or up isn't really a meaningful thing here, but they want somebody, they have people reaching out, asking them for things and not offering them anything. And so to make yourself stand out, if you're trying to build these networks, if you don't have a deal, it's figuring out what problem you can solve for them without telling them or asking them, hey, what problem can I solve for you? Right. right. That's how you really get somebody's attention because everybody that's doing these deals has whatever problems. The, the thing that they're most interested in, though, is deal flow that comes to them that they don't have to work for, right? And so if you know what market they're investing in, if you know what type of projects they're looking for, and you can figure out some of that stuff from the press release and going to the website and doing some background, potentially searching and doing some listening to podcasts or watching some videos that they've done on YouTube, that will give you an end to figuring out who the person is and what they're about, okay? And that makes that first interaction really meaningful. What you want the person to do is say, man, you really did your research. Or I appreciate you taking the time to actually learn about me and who I am before getting on the line and saying, hey, tell me about yourself, right? Like people who reach out to me and say, hey, tell me about yourself, I redirect and say, hey, there's 200 podcasts plus out there. Like you can listen to one of those and find out a tremendous amount about me way more than you find out in a five or 10 minute phone conversation. I'd much rather spend the time talking about something meaningful that's going to help the person get to their new space if we get on the phone, which I, I don't extend that option to everybody rather than introducing myself to them when we hop on the line. So the other thing that's really probably impactful or meaningful for a lot of the folks who are growing a personal brand is following them on social media and engaging on their content, right? So search them out on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you are and see if they're there. And if they are, then just hit that follow or subscribe button. Like if they're on YouTube, right? And then start commenting and showing them that you're in the area and you're paying attention to what they're doing. Those things right there are going to produce a really impactful introductory email for you when you show up or you bump into them at a specific place. 
right? And I think the last thing, if they're speaking at a conference, running a conference, if you can show up for them in one of those environments and say, hey, I, I've been watching what you're doing, um, that level of support is uncommon. And those are the things you're looking for to differentiate. And those are the things that's going to lead the person to the place where they want to engage with you and help you move to the next level. And it might not be them personally helping you. It may just be making an introduction to somebody who can move to the next spot. And in return, you need to be looking again for ways to make the relationship most beneficial. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Is there anything that you think you can do before the week's over in order to act against these op- opportunities or ideas? Yeah. I mean, pretty much as, just echoing what you just said, I'm doing, doing further more research to stand out a little bit. So I'm just not, you know, another person, you know, contacting them and trying to get something for free, basically. Um, so that's something I will, I'm taking away as part of this uh, discussion. Okay. Are there any other questions that maybe I could speak to? I mean, those were pretty big ones, but you know, what else can we talk through? So you, so you answered the one about, obviously, um, like I said, I, I had the capital, but, you know, no deal. Um, so just trying to bring that to the right individual. So you address that. So let's talk about that a little bit, right? So capital is, you know, your market, most things are, I think, trading around $100,000 a door or more. So, you know, you, you've got to bring some real money with you when you come to play. The How do you... What have you done to get confident in your ability to buy a deal of that size? Because, I mean, you're talking at least half a million if you're doing a minimum of five doors at $100,000 a door. The, the only thing I, I have done, uh, which I think lends me to it, is just reading um, a lot of books on how to you know, broker deals, how to find out which one is profitable, you know, creating um, spreadsheets to kind of like plug and play the number to see if the deal makes sense. Um, that's the extent of what I'm doing right now. Okay. And so how do you know that the spreadsheet that you created is actually calculating the numbers in the right way? How do you know that you're making the right assumptions when you put your model together? Like how, what, what gives you that confidence outside of your background and programming that, you know, your, your pro forma, your financial model is of, is right are close enough to write them, make an investment of a half a million dollars. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the best way to answer that, which may not be an answer at all is, you know, judging by these books, the one that I read was uh, Peter Conti's, uh, you know, commercial real estate, you know, commercial real estate investment. Um, he's pretty much in the book. He gave a perform performer of what he used to, to make his first deal. So I know it works. Um, as far as be, probably being a little bit outdated, it is, but those are numbers that I'm using to see if the deal is correct. Okay. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location for you, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. And so... 
The other thing that I recommend to most people who are doing this is to have somebody look over your shoulder. I treat it like driver's ed, right? And so when you get into the space, there's just so much that you don't know. I call it unconsciously incompetent or overconfident, <laughs> right? And so okay. you, you get in a spot and you put enough money out there. And I was the prime victim of this, right? I wanted to do a deal. It was a million, two, million, three. And all the banks told me, no, just like you. I went to 10 of them and they were like, yeah, no. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I, I got all the experience, right? And so fast forward and we get into the deal, found some partners, we finally get the deal done. And I realized that I underestimated the construction budget, right? I put a half a million in, we spent a whole lot more than that. And the thing that was really sobering for me was realizing that I would have went bankrupt had I been in the deal by myself because I didn't have enough money in for the rehab. And so what typically happens on your first project is you're doing something that other people don't want to do. And that's why you have the opportunity to close the deal, right? If it's a slam dunk, if it's a home run, if it's easy peasy, then other folks are going to take that deal off the table before you see it because they're already networked. They're already engaged. So when it comes to you as a newer investor, just know that it's going to be littered with challenges. And if you don't know about those challenges, then you can't put a financial plan together in order to make sure that that project goes through the way that you desire for it to go through. That's a real risk. So how did you end up paying back those investors? Though? Because you said you would have been broke if you went by yourself. Did the deal actually make money or didn't make money? We still have the deal. And yeah, we're going to double the money and then some that was put into the deal. But I mean, we're still in it. Yeah, we're still in this one. But, you know, had I done the deal by myself and, you know, our approach is, you know, you use the word invest. I'm, I'm very sensitive about words. We do joint ventures. And so our, the people that are partners in our deals are actually partners. They're not just investors. You know, when I think of an investor, somebody who just puts money in and they're letting the other person take the whole thing. We have meetings, people vote, people have different responsibilities, and the expectation is everybody's an active operator. And so there's a syndication model and then there's joint venture model. Uh, we spend the majority of our time in the joint venture model. So how does one get a part of that model or get included in that? For with our community, with Myers Methods? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of different ways. Um, the, I think the first thing is just making sure we're speaking the same language, right? And that goes into our education program. So we got 11-week education program that we offer to folks. We do a live course as well as there's a self-paced digital version if somebody wants to just do it on their own. Uh, and then we have a Facebook group that has like a weekly mastermind call at noon Eastern Standard Times on Fridays where people just come in, hang out and start building the relationships, right? But once we start building the relationships, really get to know people, who they are at their core and understand what they actually understand related to multifamily investing, then we potentially do deals together. And, you know, if they still need to get over the education hurdle, then we encourage them, even if they don't do it with us, to do some type of education with somebody. And the whole idea with that education piece is, we want you to find your own deal. You bring your deal to the pack and then the whole pack eats, right? Because we'll bring the experience, we bring the capital and allows you to do a monster deal. If you aren't able to hunt, then you're reliant on the community. 
And that's okay for some people, but usually those people just want to be passive investors. They're just going to work their job. But my goal is to help people get financially free, right? And so in order for a person to get out of their job, they're going to have to do something active, right? And usually it's finding a deal. And by doing that over and over and over again, you can get access to your income now instead of piling it up until you're 60 or 65 and taking it out of your retirement account. And, you know, you flip enough of those deals, you, you create cash flow that will take care of your lifestyle. And I think a lot of people who are trying to get free are looking to replace their income. I don't ever talk about that. I, I talk about paying for the lifestyle because if you're living financially fit, then your income will far exceed your expenses. And so then we just need to replace your expenses or pay for your expenses out of your investments, and then you're free to go do what you want to do. And whether that's doubling down on the investments or doing something that pays less or even doing something that pays more, whatever it is, but we, we want to get that baseline and get your, your expenses taken care of through the investments that you own. And so that's, that's kind of the path in the process, man. And then for a very, very, very small group, we do some one-on-one -on -one coaching to help people figure out how to put that plan together. There's one thing to have the investing education. It's something totally different to have somebody be what I call a tour guide and go on the path with you and you know point the things out that may catch up with you. I think a lot of folks get trapped or I, I won't call it trapped. They get lured in by, oh, well, you're going to be a multimillionaire and you're going to have all this money and they miss all of the other stuff. There's the red pill that we talk about pretty regularly has, you know, six different levels, self-image, relationships, work, health, prosperity and significance. And so we when we coach and work with our apex performers, we work in those six areas, just making sure that they are living a centered life, one where they don't have to put on masks, they live life well, and they make a positive impact overall. Yeah, I was wondering what your shirt, what your shirt meant, but you just explained it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we got time for maybe one more question if you're up for it. Now you, you you pretty much answered all my um all my questions thus far, which you know I I kind of figured after talking to you I was gonna have a lot of homework to do, so I do. And then um if you don't mind, I'll probably touch touch base with you, you know, probably in a, in in a, in a week or so just to give you like some progress. And then whatever your next podcast is, and I know I'm on missteps, but I want to be on success. So your next podcast title be success. I want to come back for that. Yeah. So you know the. Missteps has absolutely nothing to do with failure or success, right? Missteps is specifically for the place of learning from what other people are dealing with, right? The questions that you're having, everybody else is dealing with the exact same thing. And so instead of me doing 30 calls to talk about this exact same thing, we can just put this episode together, share it with the world, and then people which I'm going to give you opportunity in a second, we'll hear it and be able to reach out to you and say, hey, Mo, how do those things work? How did you actually implement against those ideas that Jerome shared with you? And now people are coming to you. And once you close that first deal, we'll be more than glad to have you on Dreamcatchers podcast where we talk about people who've exited the matrix. But, you know, 
the folks can be reaching out to you because you're a little further ahead on your journey than them, right? There, there isn't a place where it makes, from my perspective, makes sense for you to do media. I think everybody can do media because you're in a different place in the continuum. There's people behind you, there's people ahead of you, and we want to be able to help both of those. So with that said, Mo, if the folks want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can either call or text me, um, area code 262 Four five eight four zero zero eight, um, and also um, I can be reached via email at chillbo at hotmail dot com. Y'all blow him up. He gave y'all the celly. He's gonna reach back out and say, <laughs> "Man, I don't want the phone number out there anymore. What can you do to get it off?" <laughs> but uh, Bo, thanks for jumping on with me. Until the next time, listeners, the pack is with you. We'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.